There are few in our world today who have not heard of Mary. I mean, she is a main character in the Christmas story. But we often envision her as a small child dressed in a bathrobe holding a doll, don't we? In many, many ways, we sentimentalize Mary. We think of the peaceful, pleasant young girl placing her baby in a warm bed of hay. But this morning, we're going to be looking at Mary in a different sort of way. We're going to look at Mary's faith and the way in which Mary received the news from the angel. We're going to think about what it meant for her to be chosen by God in the way in which she was chosen. We're going to consider the hardship as well as the privilege of serving God in the way that she served God. We're going to notice her posture before God. And I think that as we notice Mary's posture before God, it will challenge us in our posture before God. As we hear God calling us and responding to God's call in our lives. Let me invite you to find a Bible this morning. If you didn't bring one with you, you should be able to find one in the pew in front of you. And turn with me to Luke chapter 1. As we begin this morning, we find ourselves in a new book. We have been in Isaiah for the entire season of Advent. And today we're reading from Luke's account of Jesus' life. And Luke begins the story by telling us of a couple named Zechariah and Elizabeth. Now let me fill you in on their story before we get into Mary's story. It's important to understand this. If you look at verse 5 in Luke chapter 1, we read, In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. And his wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. So we read that they are both righteous people, but they have a problem in verse 7. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Now, we've read stories about childless older women, women, right, unable to bear children. You might remember Abraham and Sarah. God seems to do his best work in impossible situations, doesn't he? Now, without reading the entire story, let me, let me tell you what happened. Zechariah is a priest, and he's doing his job as priest. They would choose one priest by casting lots to go in and burn incense. And that day, Zechariah was chosen. So he goes in to do his job, and look at what happens next in verse 11. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. You know, angels have a way of doing this. Almost every time you see an angel appearing in Scripture, the person is freaked out. I think I'd be freaked out if I saw an angel too. The angel always says to them, do not be afraid. That's the first thing that the angel says. The angel then has a message in verse 13. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. And you are to call him John. That's John the Baptist, by the way. He will be a joy and delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. Now, Zechariah is not too sure about this. He questions the angel, and he tells him, you know, my wife's pretty old, and she's never been able to have children. I don't think she's going to have a child now. And the angel says, well, you doubted, so you're not going to be able to speak until the child is born. Can you imagine this? Zachariah coming out of the chamber where he's burned incense and everybody's looking at him. And maybe he has a startled look on his face. And say, what happened, Zachariah? And he can't talk. He can only motion with his hands. People know that something significant has happened. Zachariah goes home. And the Bible tells us that his wife becomes pregnant. 
the old lady Elizabeth with child. God is up to something special. He's doing the impossible. And this is where our story picks up. Read down in verse 26 with me. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, to a town in Galilee. Now Elizabeth is six months along by this point, and the angel Gabriel shows up again. Now let's note that angels sometimes appear in scripture, but they're not always given a name. But here the angel's name is given. His name is Gabriel. Gabriel is the same angel that's mentioned in the book of Daniel. He's the messenger from God who helps Daniel interpret his vision. In the writings between the Old Testament and the New Testament, the names and ranks of angels and devils are are greatly expanded here. And each one has a particular status and duty before God. And it's worth noting that Gabriel is one of the top angels. And here in the New Testament, Gabriel appears to Zechariah and now to Mary. We read that the angel came in verse 26 to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. We see this word virgin twice in the text. It describes Mary when the angel shows up, but it also describes Mary until Jesus' birth. We read in Matthew's gospel, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 25, speaking of Joseph, he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. In other words, Mary and Joseph did not have sexual relations until after Jesus' birth. Now, it's one thing for an old woman to conceive a child, right? It's another thing for a virgin to get pregnant. With modern science, I suppose this would be possible in today's world, but in the first century, it was not possible. But God is in the business of making the impossible possible. God wants the world to know that he's up to something special, something incredible here. So Joseph and Mary, it says, are pledged to be married. The NIV translation uh, puts it that way. The ESV uses the word betrothed. Now, what does this mean? It was an engagement, but it was more than just an engagement like in our world. If you're engaged today, you can break it off. And if you do, it's certainly a big deal for those uh, who are participants in the marriage, right? Big deal if somebody hands a ring back to you. But it's not necessarily a big deal legally. But in this day and time, if you broke off an engagement, it was considered a legal divorce. So during this betrothal period... The man and the woman did not live together. They were unmarried. and They were not husband and wife. But the commitment was far more serious than an engagement in our day and time. So this is where Mary and Joseph are. We read in Matthew chapter 19 when Joseph finds out that Mary is with child. He, in fact, is planning on divorcing her. And you see that why that's the case here. Because that's what an engagement meant. That's what a betrothal meant in this day and time. So, so the context is set here. Mary and Joseph are betrothed. They're engaged to be married in, in a very serious sort of commitment. But they're not living together yet as husband and wife. And the angel Gabriel then makes a trip to the Virgin Mary. And what does he say to her? Verse 28. Angel went to her and said, Greetings. You who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Now, he tells her that she's highly favored. What what does that mean? The the word favored might mean chosen. 
The root of the word favored has the word grace in it. So God's grace is on her. She is chosen by God. She's favored by God. And you would think that if you are chosen by God, that something really cool is about to happen, right? If somebody calls you and tells you that you've been chosen, you're pretty excited, right? Unless it's a telemarketer, then you know um, that, that that's not too exciting. But he tells her that she's favored by God and that God is with her. What is he about to say? What is the message going to be? Now, Mary's not too sure that it's good news. Luke fills us in on what Mary was thinking in verse 29. Luke says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. She wasn't sure if the news would be good or bad. You see, sometimes being chosen by God can be a scary thing. And Mary has enough experience with the stories of the Bible to know that those who are chosen by God, it's not like winning the lottery. Sometimes you're chosen by God, and the road is very hard. The road is very difficult. And Mary is not sure what the angel is going to say to her. Mary's not sure what God is going to ask her to do. Look at verse 30. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Now there's that same word again. You're favored by God. You found favor with God. You don't need to be afraid. God is with you. God's grace is on you. Don't be scared, Mary. And let's just live in this moment here for a minute. Let's let's think for just a minute about what Mary may be experiencing. Angel shows up, tells her to not be afraid. God is up to something big. God is up to something good. But Mary is not sure. Mary's anxious about all that's going on. She's not sure how it's all going to work out. And then here it comes in verse 31, the message. You will conceive and give birth to a son. And you are to call him Jesus. Now I'm not sure that Mary can quite get her mind around what the angel's saying here. But as we read this description, we are reminded that Jesus is showing up. It's not just a spur-of-the-moment decision by God. God has been planning this for a long time. God has it all worked out. And the angel describes it to Mary. He reminds her that Jesus is going to fulfill God's plan from a long time ago. Look at how he describes it in verse 32. He says, He will be great, megos, the Greek word there, and will be called the Son of the Most High. It's no ordinary child. In other words... It's a big deal. He'll be called the Son of the Most High. Now, the Most High God is the name used for God throughout the Old Testament. It's the one true God. There were all kinds of gods in the ancient world, but this child is going to be the Son of the Most High God, the one true God. Not only that, but this child is going to be the fulfillment of God's promise to David. Now, we spent a lot of time on David this year, and if you've been a part of this study, you might remember God's promise to David. You might remember that David is the one who is going to, his his kingdom will never end. And we'll get to this in just a moment. But, But the angel says in verse 32, The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. There's that promise to David. In the line of David, this child is going to reign. And we read back in 2 Samuel chapter Seven, when your days are over, God said to David, and you rest with your ancestors, I'll raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I'll establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I'll establish the throne of his kingdom. How long? Forever, he says. 
So David knows that his kingdom will never end. And this child, the son of the Most High God, is going to be in the line of David. The child is going to be the fulfillment of this promise. The child is going to be Megos, great, the son of the one true God. He's going to be king who rules forever in the house of David. Again, I'm not sure that Mary could fully understand what the angel was saying to her. I'm not sure if she realized what God was up to, but her initial response is fairly human. Okay, God, I get that you're doing something great through this child, but let's just back up a little bit. A child? There's just one problem with this, God. I'm a virgin. I'm not going to have a child, but because in order to have a child, you have to, and I haven't. Verse 34, she says, how can this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. Mary doesn't understand. It's worth noting that the word for virgin here is a different word that's used than, used than is used earlier in the text. The first two times the word is used in this chapter, the Greek word refers to an unmarried daughter or a young woman. But here the Greek word is a different word. It literally means, since I know no man. In other words, Mary says, I've not been with a man. How could I have a child? There must have been lots of confusion in her mind. Now, there have been some who have tried to deny that the, fact, the fact that Mary was a virgin. They've tried to suppress the supernatural in the text here, but this is not at all how the text reads. Mary doesn't understand how God is going to accomplish something here that is impossible. And God tells her he is going to do the impossible. Look at what he says in verse 35. The angel, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Now, this is important. Jesus is supernaturally conceived by the Holy Spirit. He did not inherit Adam's sin nature, as did other humans. This is how he'll be known as the Son of God. Verse 35, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. This all seems kind of crazy, doesn't it? I don't think Mary would be able to wrap her head around all that's happening here. You have to think that maybe she's just staring at the angel with a blank look on her face. Really? Not to mention, what are my parents going to say? What will Joseph say? What about everybody in town? Will they believe me? The angel then points to a sign, another impossible situation, back to how we began the story. Verse 36, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. The angel points to Elizabeth. Now remember how Luke's story opens. And Mary and Elizabeth don't live in the same town. There's no social media or Facebook feed for her to know what's going on in Elizabeth's life. She has no idea what's going on. All she knows is that her, her relative Elizabeth is old and unable to bear children. She knows that her, her relative Elizabeth, who lives in another town, has never been able to have children. And now she has a child? You see, when God shows up, anything it's possible. When God shows up, crazy things happen. When God shows up, the unbelievable becomes reality. How is Mary going to respond? Again, I suppose she may have sat in silence for just a few minutes. It doesn't really say in Luke's recording. But we do have Mary's response to the angel. 
And her response gives us insight, I believe, into why God would have chosen Mary. Her response is one of submission. Her response is one of acceptance. Look at what she says in verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Just look at those words for a minute. All that we talked about, all the craziness of what is happening here, all the big words like the, the son of God and he's going to be in David's line and you're going to have a child even though you are a virgin. All of these things. And Mary simply says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Now the word servant there could also be translated as slave. In other words, she's saying, God, I'm, I'm, I'm yours. You do with me whatever you want. Whatever you say, God, I don't understand. I don't get it. I don't know how it's all going to work out. I'm not sure what Joseph's going to do. I'm not sure what my parents are going to do. I'm not sure what the townspeople are going to say. Or who's going to believe me. Or who's not going to believe me. But God, I'm in. We don't see Mary needing assurance that all of these things will work out. That all the details will work out. She just says to God, God, whatever you want, I'm yours. Now, how did it all work out? We know that Joseph is ready to divorce her until an angel shows up and tells him to marry her. Joseph has a change of heart and does not divorce her. He joins in on God's story. You might say, well, what about Mary's parents? Well, we don't know about Mary's parents. There's no record of them in Scripture. For all we know, they could have disowned her. What about the townspeople? I suppose there were constant murmurings in town about what was going on with Mary and Joseph, right? I wonder if every time Mary came into the grocery store, she heard people whispering about her situation across the aisle. For all we know, all of that could have happened. But Mary's all in. She's willing to let God do what he wants to do in her life. What a beautiful picture of what it means to follow Jesus. Do you, do you realize Mary was the first person to encounter Jesus? And Jesus did not make her life easier. In fact, he made it harder. But in the difficult, God was doing something beautiful. And as we read these words, we are challenged in our response to God, aren't we? We're going to end the story here this morning. Christmas is only a day away. We often sentimentalize Christmas and we forget the difficulties of the first Christmas. We often forget that Mary was called to an extreme level of dependence on God. And she stepped up, and she lived out her faith in an extreme way. As we conclude this season of Advent, we are reminded that Jesus is showing up. And Jesus' coming is a wonderful thing. But Jesus' coming sometimes challenges us, doesn't it? Sometimes God calls us to difficult places. Sometimes God, God calls us to act in ways in which don't make sense. And as we look at the story of Mary, our faith is challenged. It's a time when we're called to depend on God. You know, we ask often this time of year, are you ready for Christmas, right? And we usually mean by that, do you have all your gifts purchased and your menus prepared and all your travel plans put in place, right? But let me ask you a different question this morning. Are you ready for Jesus? He's coming. He's moving and working in our world today. And what will your response be? Will it be like Mary's? Will we have the courage to trust and place our lives in God's hands? What might God be calling us 
to do this morning. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for Mary's faith, for her willingness to say to you, I am your servant, do whatever you will. God, may our response to you be similar. May we submit our lives to you this morning. And as we celebrate this Christmas, may we understand, God, that you sometimes call us to difficult places. Sometimes you challenge us. Sometimes you require us to step out in ways that we can't see how things are going to work out. But God, may we trust you in the same way that Mary trusted you. God, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.